NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Hello and greetings, everyone. Welcome to NWP Radio. I am Christina Cantrell, and I'm thrilled to be here with a group of inspiring young writers, leaders, Earlier, I heard Marilyn call them change makers um, from New York State. And um, I will ask them all to introduce themselves in a moment here. Um, but by way of summary, I learned about this group through um, one of their teachers and um, heard that they were working on a document that they titled ultimately the 2020 Youth Declaration of Sentiments. This is a document that is on the subject of women's rights and inspired by the writing of the original Declaration of Sentiments uh, that was written in 1848 at the Women's Convention in Seneca Falls. So I thought this was just inspiring and wonderful and like how cool is it that, there, that this is happening right now. So um, reaching out to um, learn more about it, I've had a chance to talk to these young women and hear a little bit about the process, but I knew as writing project teachers and educators thinking about how to support young people in their writing and putting their voice out in the world that others would wanna hear more about that. So that's the reason behind this show. So thank you all for being here and making and taking the time. So I just wanna say that um, the, 2020, 20, the 2020 Youth Declaration of Sentiments is now actually completed. And it is being uh, debuted for the first time at the 2021 convention days in Seneca Falls in New York on July 17th. This show will broadcast after that date um, so that there's an opportunity for the public to see it for the first time. And we will link to it um, with this show. I'm really thrilled though that we have this opportunity to really hear from the authors about this exciting document that they're about to share with the public. Um, and also to understand all your journeys as writers and collaborators on a document like this. And then also hear about your hopes and dreams for future, whether it's about the document or about your own work in the world. So thank you so much for being here. Why don't we go around and do a um, quick round of introductions so everybody can know who's here. Abby, you want to kick us off? Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Abby, and I'm from Syracuse, New York, and I'm a rising freshman at Dartmouth College. Hello, my name is Thea Gruby. Um, I am a junior at SUNY Brockport, majoring in anthropology. I am originally from the Finger Lakes region, but I currently live in western New York. Hey, my name is Maddie, and I am from Amherst, New York, and I am a rising sophomore at Agnes Scott College. Hello, my name is Grace Irish, and I'm a rising senior at Corcoran High School in Syracuse, New York. Hi, my name is Anna Dobra, and I'm a rising junior at Victor Senior High School in New York. Hi, my name is Desiree. I'm an incoming freshman at the University of Rochester. Hi, my name is Pree, and I am a college-bound freshman with a passion for human rights advocacy. 
And I was fortunate enough to be introduced to this project in 2020. And since then, I've only developed a more inquisitive mindset. Hi, I'm Marilyn Tedeschi. Uh, I'm a baby boomer, which means that uh, right after World War II, um, uh, I was born and there was no TVs, no internets. I'm also gay and I realized that fact since I was 14 years old. I'm a retired urban high school administrator. I'm a social activist, a student of conscious evolution. I'm a full-blooded Italian, which means I think Italian food is the best. I'm an NPR junkie and the member of uh, several boards, uh, not-for-profit boards that uh, advocate for women and girls. Wow, that's great. What a, what a beautiful gathering here. So thank you all so much. Uh, Marilyn, I do want to turn to you to sort of kick off this discussion. When I met with um, the young women here, uh, many of them mentioned you as the person who got them involved in this in the first place. So I was hoping that maybe you could sort of give us a little background on this project. Like how did this, you know, what inspired this in the first place and maybe even include some of the historical background that we might, you know, sort of be trying to pull on in the background as we're listening to this and like, oh wait, we remember that document, but what, what about it is so compelling. So right. thank you. Right. When I started this project and I, I would say to everybody, you know, the Declaration of Sentiments, and they'd look at me with the eyes and say, mm, I really don't know. So I'm going to give you a brief uh, uh, description of uh, July 2nd, 1848. Perfect. Jane Hunt of Waterloo, New York, had a tea and invited uh, five women uh, to come and have tea. And um, <clears throat> they are the ones that planned... The, the first women's rights convention 10 days later from that time. So between that tea and 10 days, they wrote the Declaration of Sentiments, which was basically uh, uh, identified issues and uh, critical uh, problems that they saw for women. And, and they did an outline of proposed solutions. Also in that 10 days, they marketed this, and of course there was no phones or internet or anything, So, but they got 300 people to come to Seneca Falls uh, at the uh, Wesleyan Chapel uh, to hear their declaration. And of course the, the, the most um, controversial one was they asked for the right to vote. And that was, uh, that was a major to-do back then. And um, so they got 62 women and uh, 38 men to uh, sign on to this. And so that was the Declaration of Sentiments. Uh, so, you know, Elizabeth Cady Stanton has, uh, is, is near and dear to my heart. Also, Matilda Jocelyn Gage, the two of them uh, really always talked about, we need to, uh, the younger people need to be helped because we're not going to finish this in our lifetime. And, uh, you know, Elizabeth Cady Stanton had seven children of her own. 
And I, I want you to, I want to just read uh, something from Elizabeth Cady Stanton's uh, speech that was given in 1888 to the International Council of Women. Now she was, she was a writer, a speech writer. She wrote all of uh, uh, Susan B. Anthony's speeches. But anyway, I feel a particular tenderness to young women whose shoulders we are about to leave our burdens. The younger women are starting with great advantage over us. They have the results of our experience. They will find a more enlightened public sentiment for discussion, and they will have more courage to take the rights which belong to them. Our laws are, and our constitution and our social life are all masculine oriented. The true woman is yet a dream of the future. And I, and I said, you know what? Here we are, how many years later? And it's still a dream of the future. And so I decided to try to write a program that would um, encourage young people, even though they couldn't vote, to use their voices. Their voices is just as important as um, being able to vote. So um, I, I developed this six-month project. Um, we were uh, going to study uh, all of the documents, uh, the historical documents, uh, reading books. Um, we were going to um, have an in-person three-day meeting with two professors uh, who were going to um, get, get them to write the Declaration of Sentiments in person. Um, and then we were going to present it at a uh, at convention days in 2020, well, of course, best laid plans of uh, women and mice, uh, <laughs> everything was squashed. And so here we are, we didn't know each other. We had, uh, we had this thing to write and we, we didn't know where to start. But anyway, I'm going to let you tell them the trials of tribulations of all of that. Um, but uh, it was, um, it's been a journey. We've gotten to know each other. Uh, they have persisted. I, I think they're amazing, you know, all seven of them. And, uh, you know, family tragedies uh, with COVID and health issues and uh, all kinds of things. We've never met each other. What are we doing this for? This is a lot of work, but they did it and uh, they persisted and, um, They've got a fine document that will they will leave as their legacy. Yeah. Thank you, Marilyn. And yeah, what a year, um, to say the least. <laughs> uh, so congratulations to you all, both for the the vision and the the gumption <laughs> to keep going. Um, I'd love to hear from some of you about what inspired you about this vision that Marilyn put forward? You know, what made you really say like, yeah, I want to be involved in this? So for me personally, I, I have always been pretty interested in, you know, social justice. Um, and I met Marilyn, um, because of our shared interest in gender equality. And at that time, although I was very interested and passionate about the issue, I didn't really know a lot about it. And I did um, 
think that, you know, a lot of progress had been made and we were almost, we were almost there, you know, we were almost to the point of equality. Um, and I think that the big thing that I hope is going to come out of this declaration is that people are going to be able to read it and be like, okay, there's still a lot to be done. And there's, it's all laid out here. There's all the resolutions because with the original, there were a lot of almost all of the initial d demands had already been resolved and an outsider might read it and assume that, you know, the issue of gender inequality has been eradicated. It's everything is fine now. So I like that with this project, we were able to make it clear that that is definitely not the case. Powerful. Thea, were you gonna share some thoughts too? Uh, sure. I became interested in this project because my mother, Dr. Melinda Groby, was the historian for the project. So I had been hearing about it for a while. And eventually, uh, I was asked if I wanted to become an author. And I knew it was not an opportunity that I would want to miss out on because it just, the opportunity to write a women's rights declaration, especially when we all know that we are nowhere near full equality. Um, I'm just really glad I got to take part in it. Yeah, I found out about this um, project through the Matilda Jocelyn Gage Girl Ambassadors in um, Fayetteville, New York. And I think what really attracted me to this whole idea was kind of creating a more, um, kind of paying homage to the like women who came before us, but also recognizing and kind of trying to solve the aspects where they failed, such as like intersectionality and including women of all different cultures and backgrounds. So I felt like this was a way to kind of, you know, really look back on what they did and really applaud it because it really changed the course of American history and history in general but also re recognize that not all women were included and that we need to really take steps to make um, feminism more inclusive of all women and all people. Um, for me personally, I had a different approach. Um, an administrator contacted me about it. It was like, oh, this looks like a really great opportunity for you. Um, you were the first person that came to mind. And for me, I'd never, um, learned about women's history in my school. Um, I had never really experienced what the Declaration of Sentiments was, and I walked in kind of blindly. Um, so for me, it was like, well, after I understood it and looked it up, I was like, okay, this looks like something I would really be interested in. And then after thinking about it some time, I'm like, well, what issues are really starting to plague women today or that have been plaguing women today? I'm like, well, how could this document, how could me being a part of it actually um, bring some type, sort of awareness to it. Um, I got introduced into the projects by my AP government teacher, Ms. Ward, who heard about uh, the project through connections we had with the First Amendment First Vote program, which was a series of conferences that uh, young women attended and were encouraged and shown how to engage in political, like, uh, offices and how to get into politics. Um, and in the same way that Grace wanted to kind of right the wrongs of 
the original decoration. I, I feel the same way. I wanted to make it so that we kind of had a document for everyone in a way that has been true of many past documents. Um, and that's, that's really what a lot of us wanted to push with the 2020 Youth Declaration of Sentiments. Um, I personally got involved through my high school, which initially had made it a sign-up sheet where you could attend a First Amendment first vote meeting. And after attending a few, um, at one after the once I went to the second one, I was be able to stand up and do a presentation style type of thing where it involved public speaking. And after that, because of that, they asked me if I'd be interested in thinking of becoming an author. And I, of course, was like immediately in the moment I wanted to be like, yes, of course. But I didn't know the commitments that I have grown into having. But overall, my greatest reason for wanting to definitely do this other than it's something that needs to be done is that I wanted to add in the idea that I wanted this document to be understandable by a variety of people because I feel oftentimes, I mean, personally coming from a very unique edu educational background and just different in general, I know the struggle of what it's like to, re to not understand something so significant, to not understand your rights. So if there was anything I wanted to contribute, it was definitely how can we make this so somebody who wasn't as fortunate as the person next door to go to school or something like that can understand this enough to know, hey, you have a voice, like you can say stuff and there's things like that. So that's why. I found out about this project, just like Grace said, through the Matilda Jocelyn Gage Houses Ambassadors Program in Fayetteville, New York. And um, our mentor there asked us if we wanted to be authors. And I was definitely interested because I wanted to be able to rewrite the wrongs of the old um, Declaration of Sentiments. Like some of my fellow authors said, uh, that document was not written for poor women, for women of color, for LGBT women. And our document includes everybody. And I think that's really great. And also personally with my background and my interests, I'm very passionate about bringing healthcare and education rights to refugees and immigrants. And I'm very passionate about helping victims of gender-based violence and human trafficking. And I wanted to bring those ideas into our document and I wanted to make sure those people were included. So that's why I'm involved. I'm really glad we got to hear from you all. Thank you. It's like, it's beautiful too, to hear these journeys and how sort of the different connections, whether it's an individual teacher or somebody who sort of tapped you on the shoulder or a program that you got connected through. So as educators, just thinking also about all the ways that you got connected and what's so exciting is the passion that you bring to it. So I can see why, you know, even with COVID and even with this last year and all the things that have come up, you move this forward. That's very powerful. Um, I know a group of you is ready to talk a little bit about the process of doing this. And, you know, again, at NWP Radio, we have a lot of teachers who teach writing. And really, our goal for teaching writing is, you know, of course, success in school, but really success in life, you know, and thinking like, what does writing mean in the real world? And how do we you know, support um, 
young people in being writers and using their voice in the world. It's very much what Marilyn was thinking too, like that, that your voices are so important and, and really um, bring very new perspectives that we really need to hear in the mix. So I, I would love, I think it's uh, Thea, Desiree, Maddie and Abby um, and anybody else who wants to jump in, but um, talk to us about your process, you know? What did you need to think about here? What did it mean to be an author, you know, to you? And then how did you work together? Like anybody who's co-written something knows it's <laughs> really hard to do, right? And you all, I mean, I assume from your conversation, Marilyn, that you actually didn't meet in person. Those, all those meetings went out the door, right? So you're all online too. So anyway, I just love to hear about the process and how you made this work. Well, uh, what I found to be particularly helpful while writing this document is the both overlapping and differing ideas of such a diverse group of people. It really helped us to bring many amazing ideas to the table. Um, and for research, we would go to reputable sources or delegate um, certain topics to someone that would already know about them within our group. Um, one of the things that was important for us to consider uh, was the fact that womanhood is not a monolith and a diverse group of people is going to experience a diverse set of problems. We also had to consider not only a sampling of the problems that affect women and other oppressed groups within the United States, but also consider how the United States and the um, United States military um, through either action or intentional inaction impact women and children in other countries and nations. Um, does anyone wanna add on? Yeah, I'll add on. I'll talk more about like, um, I feel like there were a few distinct steps in our writing process. Like at the beginning, um, Thea's mom, Dr. Melinda Gruby gave us kind of a mini like crash course about the original document and about the surrounding movement and a lot of like really important information that I personally didn't get in my high school. And after that point, we had several Zoom meetings the authors where we just made a list of all of the grievances we wanted to write, like all of the topics we thought should be included in the document. After that, it was up to like each person like grabbing what they wanted or working in pairs or with three people or as a total group. And then we drafted out every single grievance. And then it was a lot of editing and cutting down. I think at, at its most, our document was around 14, maybe 15 pages. Maybe someone else knows the, the actual answer, the actual number. And then we had to cut it down to five or seven. So there was a lot of like ripping out like details that we didn't need or things that we repeated a bunch. And I, I personally struggled with that. I, I wrote um, our, some of our healthcare grievance and some of the resolution. And in the resolution, I... I put down, I wrote every single thing that I wanted to see changed in U.S. healthcare, which was just way too much to ever include in one document. 
And so we had to cut down a lot of that. And I know, I think all of us really struggled with that, like how much detail, how many details we needed to include. And like, if that, if like the document was the right place to include those details. Yeah, for me, um, it was like so many different things to consider. It was like my own experiences that I had to consider as a um, young woman growing up in Rochester um, and going through the Rochester City School District and seeing the disparities for young women um, in education. And my biggest thing that I, I, I feel like I brought to the table was like the education piece, like especially um, women of color in education. Um, and just the way that they're treated and the uh, opportunities that are given to them. Um, and then for me, my writing process was really unorganized in my opinion, because I wasn't really given those tools. It was, I was constantly learning them as well as learning the history of um, the women's rights movement. Um, and it was really, really hard because it was different things that I thought really should be included and it's like differing views. And it was trying to understand like, okay, how do I, understand everyone's point of view while still respecting my own and not, um, I guess, quieting my voice down at the same time. Um, and as a, my experience as like a writer and a collaborator, um, it was like really unique because um, I felt like I had the pressure of all the women I've come in contact with um, that I've met and known before, like making sure that their experiences were um, written and voice in this document because it's not just myself that I'm representing. I feel like I'm representing every woman and um, just person that I've come in contact with because it's it's a document for all humans. It's not just for us, um, it's for everyone. And a big thing that I really pushed for was inclusivity, um, whether it's um, race um, or just your level of education, like whether you can take up the document and read it and whether it's simple enough for you to read without picking up a dictionary or having someone else explain to you what it means because quite frankly if you don't understand what's written for you um then how can you interpret it and teach it to others because that's what we really want to do is teach it to others and um, help them to understand what we feel are is plaguing our nation and plaguing women and I would also say, like Desiree just touched on, like we all come from such different backgrounds and that definitely made organizing a little bit difficult because none of us have ever written an important document with six people on Zoom that we've never met. And having totally different backgrounds definitely caused disagreement at times, but that's what made this document very inclusive. And I'm really happy about that. But like Maddie said, we had different stages, but each each phase is definitely a struggle. It's, it's really hard to get all seven of us in the same Zoom room or group chat at the same time. It's really difficult to like have us all kind of bring our parts to the table when we're going through a pandemic. And I'm, I would say it was definitely a struggle like passing around a shared Google Doc and making sure everybody's included and everyone's opinions are there, but I'm really proud of our end project, even though that was really challenging. Thank you all. What I, I, I hear so much about like the, the having a real authentic purpose for this and the seriousness at which you took that, you know, like as, as a, uh, a person who identifies as a woman and cares deeply about these issues, I, you know, I just, it's like an enormous amount of gratitude that I, I feel 
um, so when you're talking, because I, I, um, because of the, the clear intentionality that you brought to this work. And I imagine it's kind of different than other work you've done. Like, have you had any experience doing this kind of writing like this before? I know the collaborative thing was, is different, but a public piece of writing like this. Um, any thought? I, I was thinking like you all are actually about to present this thing, right? <laughs> so that must be nerve wracking itself. So um, I don't know, Desiree, for example, I was just wondering like, did you, did you talk to other people about it and try to get hear their ideas so that you could bring it? Like how, how did you? Yes, I talked to so many different people. I talked to some of my underclassmen who were really involved in um, social justice talked to a lot of my English teachers um, and just like asking them like, okay, does this sound right when I'm writing? Um, can you read this document and give us any pointers that you uh, think will help us with? Um, I think I sent it out to a lot of um, women that I respect in my community and asked them what for their feedback because I really wanted to hit it, hit the nail on the head. I didn't want to leave anyone out and I felt like, okay, I need to make sure if they think it's all right, then I think we're going in the right direction. So for me, it was really, really um, important that I had more than just myself and the rest of the authors looking at it. Nice. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, when I started this project, um, I like was rarely spoke up in meetings. I was really intimidated by the whole thing because I felt like, like I couldn't contribute anything. I felt like everyone already was like super brilliant and like there wasn't really anything I can contribute. But then over the course of the project, I feel like working with all these like amazing young women really taught me to be more confident and like strong as a leader and writer and just person in general. Like I feel like the um, collaboration that we did together, it really um, like the other authors really invited me to share my perspective and really supported me as I went through that journey. So I feel like it was really just a great experience to collaborate with other young women who had similar ideas to me, but also like vastly different backgrounds. So I really feel like it was just a great experience overall. And I hope that people can get um, something out of it when they read it. That's great. Thank you. And I know you have to Oh, Grace departed. So I know Grace had to leave. So I want to thank her. Um, so this is awesome. So, okay. In, on 17th, you're sharing this document. What are you, you've brought up some of what you hope, but what, what are you, what are your dreams coming out of this? Like, what are you hoping will happen? Or maybe even tell us like, how, how is the 17th being planned? I realized we didn't really talk about that. Is there a presentation or? Um, oh, sorry, you can go, Marilyn. You can go. So uh, we're in the process of planning it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have done this whole thing through uh, a software called um, Mighty Networks, WhatsApp, Zoom, conference calls, and now. Uh, the Women's Rights National Park has told us for 2021 that it's all going to be virtual. So there really wasn't a lot of room for us uh, at the West. The Wesleyan Chapel wasn't going to be open for mm -hmm. us to do it in 2021. So 
Uh, we're bringing uh, our crew from uh, Seneca Falls to uh, Rochester. And um, I, I, all of the authors, I believe, except Abby, uh, will be there. And we plan to um, uh, make a website and um, put down, you know, who we are, uh, what we did, what our document is. They want to put it in Spanish. Um, and, and it will, it will carry on through the website, but, uh, the program will be a presentation of how we got here and then the website. And then after that, we will have conversation about the unfinished business. There will be all of our mentors and teachers there. Uh, and so what, where are we going from here? We'll be on the 17th. That's great. Thank you. Anna, did you want to add anything to that? Well, I was just going to say, like, although this isn't going to be exactly what we envisioned, the way we're going to be presenting it, and, you know, it didn't all go according to plan. We started this project before COVID mm -hmm. really was an issue at all, so we didn't really, like, plan accordingly, I guess, but um, although we're not, it's not going to be exactly how we envisioned it, I still hope that it's going to reach a lot of different people and it's going to apply to all those different people because again like the women's rights movement is ever evolving and ever changing and people are learning more and more like even I in the span of a couple of months have changed my opinions and views and learned and I hope that this declaration will be able to withstand all of that and uh, apply like for years to come. And I'm also just hoping that all the people who are reached by this work are inspired to continue, you know, pushing because it's hard, it's hard to want to make change when you feel like you're alone in your endeavors and you just feel like, you know, it's, it's hopeless because you're not going to be able to change the world by yourself. So I hope that it can serve as a source of like comfort and connection and strength for young people who want a future of equality and gender balance. Um, I, I wanna add on to that too, as beautifully said by Anna, that you know by the end of the day, I think we all can agree that I mean, we just want this document to be something that, you know, someone can look at and say, you know what, I, not just you, or you, or even just you, matter less or more than me, that I matter just as much as anyone else does slash should when it comes to life, the life I have led, and that maybe I'm not so lonely in this journey of life for whatever you want to call it. And so I think that's like a big thing that I, I, at, least, at least I personally want to take. And I, from what I've seen from these other amazing women that I got to work with, that that's what they kind of want to see too with this whole thing. And this document, I mean, we, from the very beginning, especially Theo wanted to make it clear, it is for everyone and anyone. It's not something that's 
I mean, yes, declaration of sentiments. It is made, it was initially made so that women can have the same natural born rights that they should have had from the get-go. But I mean, it's just, it's just another way of us pushing that a way for others to realize that this is the world that we want to create a world where here's another stepping stool so you can read that third reach that third shelf here's another one where so you can reach the fourth and the fifth and so on and this is just one of those other stepping stools to help them realize that you can go as many shelves up as you want you don't have to have the tall friend to reach the top shelf in Walmart or whatever, you can reach it yourself because we're here to help you reach those shelves. And although the analogy is a bit unique and you know, not maybe not everybody struggles at Walmart to get to that second shelf like I do, but I think that's mainly the big thing that I've noticed we all want out of this. So if anyone wants to read it, it is right there. There's your rights or well, us helping you realize them. Um, and for me, uh, I hope, but I hope that comes out of this document. Um, I hope that young people all over America are energized and inspired to um, do the same thing with other documents, historical do documents across the country, such as like the U.S. Constitution or the Bill of Rights or even precedents that have been set because it's not just the Declaration of Citizens that was outdated. There were documents that were outdated long before that. And if they if the Declaration of Sentiments wasn't written for all people, what makes you think documents before that were written for all people or even documents a few years after that? So I really, really hope that just all young people and um, even adults or they just people just come together to help to revitalize and um, repurpose these documents to fit the America that we're in today because Quite frankly, we can't keep surviving off of these old documents that are not with the times because if we have to do all these things like renew our licenses and passports, why don't the documents have to do the same thing? You have to change with the times and it just can't be the people that are changing with the times. It has to be the documents and the laws too. Um, just like she said, I hope uh, young people around the country and around the world are energized and they're inspired by our words and they, realize a lot of new things, but I also hope people will read this document and realize that you can always sit down and write a document that says you demand something or you want something, but you need to create actual change in manners that are more hands-on. And there's a lot of different things to be doing. Um, there's a lot of ways to be helping people in humanitarian manners. And there's just so many more, oh, there's so many modes of activism to be trying. I'd like to say uh, something uh, to the authors. Um, it is you, the young heroes, with your eyes opened and your willingness to call out hypocrisy who will save our planet. My generation marched and sang songs uh, about liberty and equality. We got jailed, we survived forced feedings, but then we settled down and we became complacent. We compromised. To my young friends, I say to you, do not settle down, do not compromise, go out and make good trouble, and don't stop until full equality is reached. That's my hope for you guys. So beautiful. Thank you, Marilyn. And yeah, that was beautiful. I, I'm really, I'm also very um, 
Yeah, I have great gratitude for the work that you all have done here. And um, very excited uh, to see where this takes you. And I'm also thinking about in my work, how can we actually use this? So I was like, oh, wait, why haven't I thought about that yet? <laughs> right? Like, um, there's some workshops coming up, for example, with it, where educators are coming together to think about what is the, the future of education, having been through COVID and really sort of trying to reimagine. And, you know, what could we do with your words and your writing in that context? There's a group of people really building the beloved community that they like to see in education. How, how can... Um, your work helped to lead that forward. So I'm really excited to have the chance to talk to you so that my colleagues can tap into this resource that you built to, um, as well as learn from your story. So I feel very emotional. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would like to, like give everybody a chance to sort of give some final thoughts and kind of like where this is all maybe leading you either individually, um, I, you know, as you were introducing yourselves, you're clearly sort of all in different kind of life stages and, you know, probably thinking about all sorts of different things at this point. And, you know, there's like talking, like Desiree's talking about, you know, really talking to your neighbors and then, Thea and Abby too, you were talking about these like worldwide issues that really impact, like all of this is like really interconnected, right? The sort of intersectionality of it all is very vivid when you all talk. So what does that, I don't know, one question I have is what does it mean for you? That's not necessarily where we need to end, but I'd love to hear some sort of final thoughts and things that might've just come up in the course of this conversation. You can just popcorn it. You can unmute when you're ready to share. Yeah, Quaker style. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I guess to start my kind of final thoughts, um, I'm gonna quote just a little bit of our document. Um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all humans are created equal, that they are entitled to certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. One day, I really hope that our world, our worldview comes to truly understand those words that have been in various forms said like over many, many years. Um, I just never understand why people don't believe in equity and equality. And I hope that People see our document, um, whatever flaws it may have, um, as stepping stones on an ever-developing road to a better tomorrow. Um, so personally, when it comes to this document, how it's impacted my life in general, it's been very um, different in I guess, because I feel like a lot of the time people coming into these things know a lot about the topic beforehand. And I personally, although I am a very passionate about finding the best way to help the world and other people, you know, 
achieve the things that they should have had from the beginning. It's, I, I did not know much about being a feminist or quote unquote, that being a feminist was not like, you know, this whole ordeal that maybe stereotypically is placed out there. I think a lot of times what happens is that it's stereotype, like the only way you can help is that you've got to like go out shouting in the streets, which it's very helpful. It, it's helped us this far. But I mean, it's stereotyped often that that's what it is. Like, if you really want to help, you're going to do these gigantic things. And I mean, this is a gigantic thing. I don't think oftentimes <laughs> we realize it, but it's, oh, go ahead, Marilyn. No, keep going. You're doing fine. I'm just laughing. I'm getting a kick out of this. This isn't good. <laughs> um, just, I mean, this is a very big document. And I think uh, like through all the work we did together, through writing it, through figuring it out, through compromising and combining simultaneously, we all, I think, haven't sat down and realized like, oh my God, we literally like, we just made a whole document. We did that. We like wrote all that. We are going to publish it and we are going to help people. Like, I don't, I mean, I personally didn't realize the significant officialized we were done writing it. And so in general, this is, this document has not only helped me figure out a lot more about what it is to be a quote unquote feminist. Oh, Preet, we lost your, your sound. You, you talked about what it meant to be a feminist and then we lost your sound. So let's take a couple of minutes. Let's hear from someone else and then maybe we can come back and you can finish that idea. Okay. Um, for me, um, what I hope that teachers and anyone who watches this understands and gets out of this is to... Um, to look at our document and see that we all didn't come in knowing what women's rights were. We did all didn't come in knowing how to write a historical declaration. We didn't know how to do this. And honestly, if it had not been for the encouragement and for the teaching and for the community that we built within ourselves, um, within, our, within our group, we wouldn't have been as successful as we were. And I hope that teachers, especially English teachers, encourage your students to do more programs and um, more clubs that are like this, that are uh, surrounded with social justice or anything that they're passionate about. And I hope that assignments are given like this, where you're writing uh, a declaration of independence in your class for an essay, or you're writing something like grievances and things that you're really passionate about, or that you could come to develop a passion about through that assignment. Um, I think that's really how we'll start to change the, um, the cultures in our schools, because honestly, schooling in America has become a way that we dull the social activism within our youth. And it's only now that we're starting to see more students become more active in their lives and in their communities when it comes to social issues. And if we don't start to really bring that culture back, we're not going to ever see a change. And we see small increments of change, but imagine if we did this all over in a large scale across the country, we'd really start to see a larger impact. Beautifully said, yes, nice. Let's, Preet, do you wanna unmute and just see if it's reconnected? Yeah, I'm sorry. We had a rainstorm a while ago, so our Wi-Fi is wonderful out here. <laughs> okay. 
no worries. Um, I, I was I was getting very close to the end. I know I talk a lot. Sorry. <laughs> Passionate. Passionate. It's good. But I, as Desiree said, and I think I should definitely advocate with her on that too, is in high school, um, I had a teacher named Ryan DeWolf who helped improve my English writing abilities dramatically, like second grade to college level in just three years. And it was, it was hard, but it was definitely something I appreciated from my teachers doing such a thing. And it's because of a teacher pushing that I, I'm even able to be at this interview right now because of such different, again, different backgrounds and stuff like that. But he's a very big part as to why I was able to contribute the way I have to this document. And I would also, I've also noticed that he's pushed a lot at our school for maybe an update on the more feministic end of books and adding in for authors that maybe aren't the stereotypical Gerald or stories by mostly men that are, well, yes, men. Yes, by men. Yeah. <laughs> it's an important intersection there, actually, to pay attention to. So thank you. I'm pretty good at that teacher wait time thing. So if anybody else wants to come in. Okay. Um, just a closing remark for me, um, like Marilyn always tells me, and it's really stuck with me, just go out and create good trouble. If you've had the time and the mental energy to follow our words here for an hour, then you have no excuse not to be a change maker. So please go and help those in need. You all have the energy, you all have the time, um, and we all need it. So thank you. Woohoo! Awesome. And Maddie, go for it. Just going off of Abby, uh, you guys all listened to this, which means that you're technically as qualified as we were to write this document. So you can go out and do the same thing we did. And I remember Thea talking about how like our document may have flaws, but it's now all of your guys' jobs, all of you listeners to fix those flaws and create new documents in the future that keep like one-upping the previous document and keep adding things because as we know, like things change and things evolve and we're still going to have issues that we have now, 20, 30, whatever, how many years from now, hopefully not as serious as they are now, but like we need to continue uh, creating change and good trouble as Marilyn says. Right. The goal is just fine tuning. So any, like even the smallest flaws, if you can fix them, it's still a fix and it's still one step closer to perfection. Kind of. Thank you all. This is really, you just gave us such great work to work on. Um, so, so appreciated. And um, so very inspired to by um, the commitment you've brought to this and the vision that you've all brought to this. So thank you. And thank you, Marilyn, for rolling this thing up in the first place and <laughs> having the My idea. Pleasure. Yeah. I, it's my pleasure to plant the seeds and uh, we're going to watch it, watch it grow. We have hope for the future when you plant seeds. Okay. Yeah, that's, and, and, and point, what I love too is how you took us back historically to the, to the, to uh, Elizabeth Caddy Senton's desire to include 
young people's voices in. So like that's the continuation here at the same time that, that you're really working to make change and what wasn't right at the time. I just think it's very powerful, um, both and statement you guys have all taken, you know, we're going to continue this I, work and we're going to continue to make it better. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, I, I don't know if I uh, made this point, but those five women at Jane Hunt's tea party, four of them were Quakers. Mm -hmm. And it was Elizabeth, who was not a Quaker, who understood the importance because the Quakers were allowed to speak at church. In the Christian religions, you weren't allowed to speak. And... Uh, that that really changed the world by letting women speak. So the Quakers, we have to thank for them. Great, thank you. I'm in Philadelphia, so I sort of get that too. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, I just want to thank you all for taking the time to share your process, your thoughts, your vision with us. Um, I wish you all the best um, on the 17th as you bring sort of bring this thing out into the full public view. Uh, let us know when you do. We're really excited to link to link to that website you're building and to really um, be able to share and I think work with this document um, is what I would encourage us to do. Um, and I love all the openings and the invitations that you've made here. So thank you so much. Um, you've been um, listening, for everybody listening and tapping in here, this has been NWP Radio and probably one of my favorite opportunities to interview a group of people that I've ever had. So um, thank you for joining us and follow us online um, and, uh, at NWP Radio and at Writing Project um, on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you so much and have a good um, event. Thank, Thank you, you so for much, having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. W. Radio.